0: If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be reading this morning verses 10 through verse 20. And we'll actually deal with this text um, this week as well as next week. As we deal with what I would say arguably is the most comprehensive text in scripture on the subject of spiritual warfare. We've been in this series over the last month or so, I want to welcome every single one of you to Big Woods Bible Church. Thank you, Pastor Stewart. How do you follow a sick smoothie? Um, I think the point has been made clear. I was thinking as we were, um, Matt was leading us in worship, how unique of a setting this is. Like where, where else you get up early on a day that technically you have off okay you can do whatever you want to do that you wake up early you 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 gather here together what other setting do we stand up pray together and lift up our voices in song and praise and it's all focused on the lord it's it's not about us it's not about you like what other setting does that happen? And and I thought about how the Lord is pleased to hear from your voice this morning in song. How how it delights, how it thrills our, our Heavenly Father to know that you've gathered with His Word, His perfect Word, and you have that opened up and in a sense, we're all ready. I'm ready as we lean in. And we're like, Lord, I, I need to hear from you today. There's something beautiful, beautiful about the gathered body of believers in this setting. And I just want to remind you of that. Um, and I'm just thrilled that we have just, just these few moments together to listen to what he has for us as we, we have to be on point, particularly as we've been dealing with this particular subject of spiritual warfare. Uh, I can't believe it's, it's December already, and I was thinking this week, um, and how we love this time of the year, is I'm, I'm, I'm literally like hanging on my roof, leaning over to put our Christmas lights on. And, and it's freezing cold, and those little stupid little plastic clips that keep breaking... And I'm like, I love this time of the year. And, and I'm thinking how, how I can work with one hand, but I'm holding on so I don't slide off. I'm sh I, 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 I just need a ladder is really what I need. But, but I was thinking as much as I'm holding on, that's, that's how much, that's, that's how we're to be holding on to the Lord and his word for us. In a crazy, slippery dangerous world. Let's pray. I I need, I have have a word from the Lord this morning that I am excited about. I love this text. Would you pray with me as we um, approach the throne together? Father, I thank you. I just, I'm amazed at your goodness to us, that you allow us to gather another day like this. I, I thank you for every single person that's here and or that our, our desire is that you would be pleased with the sacrifice of our worship to you. And Lord, in response to that, that you would now reveal yourself to us. Lord, and I plead for help. I, I need every ounce of your strength and guidance and wisdom and courage. Father, I just pray for every single person here. Every one of us, there's, there's an entire story chapter after chapter, written. People today that are in the midst of hurts and loneliness and pain. People that are concerned about tomorrow, about the week coming up. I pray, Lord, that you would minister, that you would increase the affections of our heart towards you. Father, may we see you in your sovereign glory And may we rest and trust in you. Thank you, Lord, that you have every single step already planned. I just pray, Lord, that we would hear you and see you. And know, Lord, that that whatever takes place is always for, for our good, that you love us that much, but ultimately for your glory. Help us to see that even in the midst of the battle that we are in. You've given us ears to hear. I pray, Lord, that you give us the strength to make your word clear this morning. Please help me. May everything that is said and done be for your glory. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Like I said, it's been a month. We've hopefully made it very clear to you. My prayer has been that we all understand. We are engaged in battle. There's an element of spiritual warfare around us. We talked about the fact that we fight against, okay? Satan, we've talked about him, the devil, the slanderer. He, he loves to tempt. He's the wicked one, the false accuser, and his many minions, his many demons. We talked about the fact that we're engaged in spiritual battle. and We fight against the world that is around us, the perspective that leaves no room for God whatsoever. A godless mindset described with what? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And before we too quickly, what? Quickly blame Satan or blame the world, we can't shift blame. I already told you that what? I quote, Satan doesn't need to tempt me to sin or make me to sin because my flesh is more than capable of causing my own death downfall which means not only do we battle satan and the world but our own flesh our our own sin nature nature natural disposition to assert our own will our own authority over god in every single area of life and i think we would agree this is real this is literal No doubt that the enemy loves, a lot of this takes place in our own mind. The the enemy loves to mess with how we think. The enemy loves to mess with what we think about. Thus, the instruction that we began in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that we walk in the flesh. We're not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. To destroy strongholds, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So considering all of it, the width of the battle, the depth of the battle, the volume of the lies that surrounds us, it's very easy for all of us to become very overwhelmed. To get worked up, to be stressed and worried and even worn out. Therefore, a text of Scripture like this before us is so important because it gives clear instruction on how we are to stand, stand up, stand strong. And ultimately, I believe with the Lord's wisdom, the power of the Holy Spirit within us, in the midst of all of the raging battle around us, we can be safe in the battle, safe. In the battle, let me direct your attention to Ephesians chapter six. I picked it up in verse 10, reading from the ESV, "The words will be in front of you, the word of the Lord." Finally, be strong. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The word of the Lord. The, um, the, The tone here, I think you'll pick up, is very strong. The instruction is very, very clear. There's actually eight commands that are in this text. Four times we are told to stand. The word is histamide. To stand or withstand, antistamize, stand against four times we're told to put on or take up. I found this, and maybe you've discovered it. Whenever you hear about or read about the armor of God, we, we have to talk about this degree of preparation. There's something preparing us. But there's also a lot of talk, whenever we hear this, about getting properly dressed, and see so here terms like okay is 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 the belt tight have, have you tied your shoes and like double knotted them and is the helmet straight? Do you ever thought about this? How do you how do you put on something? How do you take up something when you cannot see it? How do you, how do you like put on this but you can't touch it, you can't feel it after all spiritual armor we know is not visible. It's not physical or tangible. It's it's not even literal armor. Why? Because we are not waging war according to the flesh, we read. Yet many people suggest, and this is what is interesting, kind of a formulaic, a robotic-like prayer that you must pray every single day in order to be safe. Something like this. Today, I accept joyfully... And I put on the belts of truth. And I, and I cinch it tight in faith. And, and I'm rejecting all else. And I'm trusting that God will keep me from the reaches of the enemy. And if you don't pray this prayer like this every day this way. Then you're probably going into battle exposed, naked. Therefore you're vulnerable and you're probably going to get pretty beat up. If you don't pray that prayer that way every day. Rather, what I would encourage us to do this morning is see this. And yes, every single, every single part of the armor is very important. But let's, let's set the context here. Chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, is a conclusion to the entire letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And it's, it's a summary statement of sorts. And it carries with it a summation of the entire theme of the book of Ephesians. What is the theme of the book of Ephesians? Christ reconciling all of creation unto himself. Christ, what, uniting people from all nations unto himself in the context of what? Uniting us to one another in the local church. First years I ever preached at Big Woods 12 years ago is Ephesians chapter 4. And it speaks about the fact that what? There's a powerful outworking of a sovereign triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which is both recognized and received by grace through faith alone Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 so to to begin with what I want us to see is this the armor of God which we just read correlates with a portion in a sense a theme that has been developed throughout the entire letter so when we read about one particular place this is not the first time we hear about truth Okay, with the the belt of truth. This is not the first time we hear about righteousness. Or faith, or the gospel, or salvation. Context is key. Context is key. So what is this? This is actually a metaphor. And it points to what? Not the individual parts, but the consideration of the armor as a whole. Notice twice in verse 11 and in verse 13, it says, put on the whole armor of God. Very specific, very clear. Which means what? You can't just like grab a piece of it. It's not about like picking and choosing. It is all or nothing. For example, well, we certainly can consider the function of a breastplate. A Roman soldier would never, ever go into battle without a breastplate to protect the vital organs in his chest, what, his heart and his lungs. He wouldn't go into battle without a helmet to protect his head. But, but the fear is we're not going to sermonize, we're not going to bore down into the physical piece of in armor here. Rather, let's focus on the meaning of righteousness and, and the means of a Christian salvation, which in a sense is the very essence of how and why we're even called into spiritual battle in the first place. So we we look not individually, but all of them together, and yet we still examine them one at a time. First one is this, fasten on the belt of truth. Just as tunics, so a tunic is something that probably not a lot of people put on this morning as you are on your way to church. It's just a large square piece of cloth, cotton generally in the summer, wool in the winter with holes cut in it, a hole for your head and two, ar- two holes for your arms. And you put it over, as, as common as, as tunics were, the belt was just as prevalent A belt you would put on to gird up, in a sense to tuck in the sides of your tunic so that your feet and your legs would not be tripped up. So they wouldn't be hindered in any way. So it's easy to run, easy to move. It's it's important in battle for a soldier to be able to move well, to have agility. It was a matter of life and death. And we've we've heard this terminology before. Peter uses it. 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whereas the ESV says, what preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. So, so girding up the loins of your mind is the, is the equivalent of tightening our belts. In a way, we'd say it like this today. Hey, you ever hear someone like, man, you are, you are all over the place. You, you ever hear, a, like, you got to pull yourself together. Like, you are all over. you You got to get control of things. The, the idea that truth here is what needs to be central. The belt of truth. Truth is the binding force in our lives, It holds everything together. Thus, the reason in our post-postmodernism world that we live in, the pluralism, the relativism, that it's what? It's truth that's under attack. If we can get people to question the truth, and we know that what? Truth is objective, it does not move, okay? Truth doesn't vacillate. It doesn't change based on your feelings. I don't like this truth. That doesn't doesn't matter. Truth is what? Not dependent upon your personal preference. I don't like that. Therefore, it must not be true. I'm sorry. That's not the way that it works. According to the dictionary of biblical languages with semantic domains in the Greek New Testaments, James Swanson defines it like this. Truth, that which is in accord with what really happens. Facts that correspond to a reality, whether historical in the time and space continuum, or in an eternal reality, not limited to historical fact. Now think about this, over the last month, how much time have we spent on recognizing our enemy's tactics and, and the, the scheme that the enemy has to deceive you. He wants to lie to you. He wants you to believe that which is not truth. He wants you to believe that which is not true. And so he whispers lies to you, even about yourself. How many times have we heard a whispering lie that what? I'm just no good. I've made too many bad decisions. My life is a wreck. How many times have you believed lies about yourself? I I guess. I guess that's me. That's the story of my life. I guess I am just worthless. And they're whispering lies from the enemy, or what? Even more dangerous, the enemy wants you to believe lies about God. He really doesn't care. About me. He, he doesn't care. He's more, he's more what? He's just up there. Like kind of pointing and ruling. And wrecking what I want to do. And my happiness. So there's lies the enemy wants you to believe. About God. Or what? Lies. The enemy wants you to believe. About the word of God. Today. It just, it just, it just doesn't seem to fit. Does it? Not, not, not with what we're hearing. Like this. This can't be in light of what we are hearing. Now, I I would hope and I think that as a church that that stands upon the gospel and we preach and teach and we teach our our little ones, I, I would hope that we're doing okay on understanding the truth, particularly in the major areas Sacredness of marriage, exclusive between a man and a woman. The sanctity of life, all of life. I think we, we, we hold to that. I think we're doing okay when it comes to when we teach our children about marriage and family and, and, and the lies, the pervasive, the LGBTQ+, plus and, and, the, and the transgenderism that is being pushed. I would hope that we're holding to the truth on that. But but I am I am shocked. I will tell you this. I am shocked at what people are still believing today as truth. This week I received a letter. <clears throat> the letter was um, fifteen pages long, handwritten, single space. Both sides of the paper, which means it's 30 pages long. I think personally, I've received a lot of letters in my life. I think, I don't know, I think it's the longest letter I've ever received in my entire life. Someone wrote to me thinking that as a pastor, I, I need to be more diligent and use the platform that is given to me to speak What they believe is so-called truth. And in the letter it talks about, and I'll read a portion of it, that pastors need to be teaching their church today the truth that, that the Hebrew word for Donald in the Old Testament actually means leader and ruler and king. The the Hebrew word for Donald, and that the the name John, Donald John, actually means one who provides protection. My, my middle name is John, and it means honoring God. It's the same as my sister Joan, and her names mean honoring God. And in, in the latter, it talks about the fact that I have to be promoting the fact. That what it says in First Corinthians chapter 15, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be rise incorruptible and we shall all be changed. In a sense, the essence is what I need to be telling people that a certain person is going to save the world and our country. What, thi- like, people, what are you reading on the internet? What do you, because you hear something somebody says. That's why, what, there is no better time, there is no better time with what we're hearing out there to fasten on the belts of truth. Why? Because you are all over the place. You better pull yourself together. You better pull yourself together, son. You understand? That's the world that we're living in that what people are believing today. Let, let me let me tell you what truth is, okay? S-s-s- cinch on, belt on, tighten up the belt of truth. Let me tell you what truth is. Matter of fact, right from the very book, in the very first chapter of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself. As sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us, the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. You, what's the truth here? I just read the pronoun he and him 12 times in the first couple verses of the book of Ephesians. The truth is what? There's one. There's one who has called us to himself and lavished upon us and loved us enough. The truth is quite clear today. Whatever you hear, whatever you're seeing, whatever you're hearing, it better start with the truth of the Word of God, it's about him. It's not about you. That's the truth that we have to make sure is what is, is, is wrapped tight around us. Not only do we to fasten on the belt of truth, but we're to put on the breastplates of righteousness. This is interesting. Usually it's a, it's a single, it's actually quite simple piece of of hammered metal typically bronze with a leather lining and just as any soldier would not dare go into the heat of battle without his chest being protected so believers we cannot stand we cannot be safe in this battle upon anything but what the righteousness that has been offered to us through the justification of the Lord Jesus Christ which he provides this is what's referred to Um, as imputed righteousness his righteousness has been imputed upon us you see righteousness holiness in and of our own selves like our own righteousness if that were the case we are in a desperate desperate place why scripture is clear scriptures prove Look, look at the list read the bios Throughout the Bible, and it's pretty evident there is none righteous. No, not one. Remember, you can't pick and choose here. We are told to put on the whole armor of God. Therefore, you cannot stand in battle. You cannot be safe in battle apart from the truth and also the righteousness that we read about earlier. Again, it comes right from the book of Ephesians. What is this righteousness? Think about this. As the enemy lurks. He seeks to destroy and lie and get you to believe something that is not true. We go back to the truth of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 says what? It describes what Christ has done. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, remembering that you were at that time separated from Christ. Like you, you and I. It says we were alienated. Strangers... To the covenants of promise. Having no hope. And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus. You who once were far off. Have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh and dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Therefore killing the hostility and he came and he preached peace. To you who were once far off, and he preached peace to those who were near. For through him we have both access to one Spirit, to the Father. In one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with saints, and the members together of the household of God. Did did you? Did you? you, Do you hear this? Do you see this part? We were separated, we were alienated, we were strangers, no hope. And yet, what happened? Something happened that brought us near. Think about this. How, how, do, you, how do you put on, okay, put on, how do you put on something that has already been placed upon you? His righteousness has already been placed upon us. So we, we know this. We know that it's more than just imputed righteousness. The only way that we are to keep our heart protected. The only way that we are to keep our life sustained is what? Is putting on what I call practical righteousness. What is that? It is a life that is lived in full obedience to the word of God. His imputed righteousness upon us causes us to live practically in full obedience to the word of God. Again in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 24, and put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Listen to this. Therefore, putting away falsehood, that each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor and give give with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Give no opportunity for the the devil. Give no place. Why? Because we are putting on the way that Christ has imputed his righteousness. Now we put on a new life. We live differently. Since we have been made righteous in Christ, we understand it should cause us to want to put on righteousness in living life like Christ in every single area of our life the way that we think in our thinking in our speaking in our spending in our leisure in our relaxing in our behavior all of it is to be in full obedience in accord with the word of God so let me ask you a question let me ask you a question is that you you a life lived that reflects the righteousness of christ in every single area at any time think about this i don't know what what the the course of your week looks like at any time at any moment you can have what a crowd of people sitting right there with you and you're like wow this is what righteousness looks like. This is what obedience looks like. Is that you? Does righteousness describe you? So let, let me tell, tell me a little bit about that person. Well, he's a righteous man. She's a righteous woman. Does righteousness define you? Sorry, we don't go there. We don't think that. We're not heading that direction. Because that's not right. You understand, because of the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, it causes us to live in practical righteousness, just like he does. I hope, I hope that's you. And if it's not, if it's not, if you're like, yeah, that's, 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 not, that's not how I'm being defined right now. Do not believe a lie Of the enemy that says you are a worthless piece of garbage. Don't believe that lie. So what what, what do we do as what? As followers. We shine light in darkness. Let light shine in. So the first thing that we do. Is we go to our knees today. And we say Lord forgive me. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against my wife. I've sinned against my husband. I've sinned against my children. And then you go to the one please forgive me and what happens in that we we understand that we are declared righteous and we have been justified in the sight of god and we live what there is therefore now present tense no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus you understand here why this is so key thirdly and finally as shoes for feet Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. New American Standard says having strapped on. I think it's descriptive as far as they were wearing sandals a lot. The old King James, I love this, is shod your feet, you horses, shod your feet. A soldier must be able to protect his feet as he moves across every sort of terrain possible whether or not it be what's in this setting probably hot sand oftentimes deep mud sharp rocks frozen ice and snow why because if you lose your footing if you slip and you fall and you're laying there then let me just make it very clear you lose okay then you're dead the enemy wants nothing more than to find you Laying air. Laying out. What, what is, what is everything, everything that we do at this church what, what, is based upon what? Every decision that we make, every ministry, every step, step that we take is grounded in what? Think... Uh, most, most of Ephesians chapter 3, I don't have time to read the entire chapter, is revealing what, what Paul calls the gift of God's grace. What is the gift of God's grace? Paul describes what? That he's, he's unworthy, but he's called to preach, and I love this, the unsearchable riches of Christ. What, what is this? Like What is the gift of God's grace? What is the unsearchable riches of Christ? What is it that we base everything upon as a local church? But the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Back one page in Ephesians chapter 3. It says this in verse 9 and 2. Bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. Who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So what, I ask you, do not lose heart. Oh, this points us. We have spent a month, and I know Christmas is coming and we'll get to the manger, okay? We will get there. But we have spent a month in spiritual work. We have looked at and learned about what? The great tempter and the great taunter, the father of lies. We've looked at the world around us. And how the father of lies uses what? Our own flesh within us. And we know that it's a fierce and it's an ugly and it's a bloody war. But what is the opposite of war? What's the opposite of war? War and peace. Isn't it interesting that we have, as the very basis of everything that we do, the gospel described here in one word. It's readiness given by the gospel of peace. Isn't that fascinating to think? The word in Greek is irene. It means total well-being everything's fine. It means what? Prosperity and security associated with God's presence among his people. In the Septuagint, it's usually translated shalom, or in Hebrew, we know it as what? Shalom, peace. Think about that definition. Total well-being, where there's what security prosperity associated with god's presence among his people that does not describe very much in our world today yeah there's not much of that going on out there why why is that let me tell you why because the enemy loves chaos The enemy loves confusion. He loves to upset you. He loves to upend you. He would love for nothing more for you to lose your what? Your footing, your base. He would love for nothing more for you to slip and fall. But thankfully, thankfully, Paul's imagery signifies that those who have their feet properly fit it will be equipped and prepared for spiritual battle quickly there's two parts to that the first part is it's defensive which means what we stand firm in the powerful message of the gospel let it all blow and move around us and there's a defensive stance you're not going to knock me over when i am rooted and grounded as a church It's not going to be blown away when it's rooted and grounded in the gospel. But it also speaks not just of a defensive stance, but an offensive. I love the way that it says there's a readiness here. Like, what do you mean readiness? It's a readiness to announce the good news. Which includes what? Peace. Peace with God through by the fact that he is reconciled. We were out there, and we were brought near. Therefore, what? What What is one of the key offensive people? You have got to. You have got to be telling your neighbors. They are losing sleep in fear. You've got to talk to your colleagues who are so angry with one another. You've got to tell them, and you've got to be one who what? is ready to announce the good news, and you remind them, "This is not all that exists around us. And we have to be have people of the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Let me close by reminding you, and we'll concentrate on this next week. In verse 18, it says, "What? We won't have time to get through it all today, but we are to be praying at all times." And there was a call to prayer. May our homes, may our lives be characterized as people of prayer. Why? Because we desperately need the help that is given to us from the Lord and from the Lord alone. Father, we just admit the fact that although there's a battle that rages around us, we are safe and secure. We are are ready, knowing the truth, thankful that we're under righteousness we desire to live like you and ultimately tell others of you but we cannot do it in our own strength we cannot do it ourselves and so we ask Lord, today for a unique empowering from your spirit to be faithful and obedient to the word that we've heard this morning we ask this in jesus name amen and amen